listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Here's a message from today's episode's sponsor. Insulate, makers of Omnipod, are committed to simplifying the lives of people with insulin-dependent diabetes. Omnipod 5 Automated Insulin Delivery System Aid is indicated for people with type 1 diabetes ages 2 years and older. Omnipod 5 is the first and only tubeless aid system in the United States that is exclusively available in the pharmacy. The Omnipod 5 combines a tubeless, waterproof, wearable pod that integrates with Dexcom G6 CGM to automatically adjust insulin based on glucose trends every 5 minutes. For more information on this innovative technology, visit Omnipod.com. Disclaimers, the pod has an IP28 rating for up to 25 feet for 60 minutes. The Omnipod 5 controller is not waterproof. The Dexcom G6 is sold separately and requires a separate prescription. Visit Omnipod.com safety for additional important safety information. Hey, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. I'm your host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri, and I am excited that we just got back from Phoenix, Arizona for the American Pharmacist Association's 2023 Rise, Advancing in the Face of Adversity Gathering of the largest uh, body of pharmacists on, on, um, in, in the country and in and on um, fire, they are excited to be pharmacists, and the the changing role of the pharmacist is is in and of itself exciting. And it's it's what today's episode is about: is how so many facets of healthcare are is changing. Um, the roles of pharmacists are are actually expanding, enhancing um, patient care, especially for chronic. Uh, diseases. And we're going to celebrate you today. Uh, we're also going to be talking about artificial intelligence and the impact on pharmacists and how if pharmacists aren't understanding what's available to them and the tools that are available, what's coming and getting ready for what's uh, coming in the near future, then I think we're going to miss out. So we don't want you to miss out. Pharmacy Podcast Network will always bring um, some of the best minds to our programming. Um, shout out to our hosts, uh, the tremendous work that you're doing. A shout out to Kristen Talent. Dr. Talent is working with IX Layer to bring point of care testing to um, to communities and community pharmacies and consultant pharmacists all over the nation. Brady, what a time we had in Phoenix. Um, it was great to have you there and um, it was fun. And we got to um, talk with a tremendous amount of um, some of the most interesting pharmacist in our nation but what did you like about the the event in phoenix well i just loved meeting everybody i mean it was so great to meet people like uh my fit pharmacists uh the accidental pharmacists they were hilarious they were a great time mm -hmm. hanging out with you and candace was really fun and just you know my my whole thing is audio so collecting the interviews was just a good time and overall just an amazing show it was, and we're going to be um, releasing a recap of the APHA 2023 post-show uh, sometime next week. 
um, I believe is coming out, or at least it's starting. I think we had so much content that what are we breaking it into, like five-part series or four-part series or something? It's, it's got to be. I know once we edited it down, we had about three hours of audio, so it's, it's definitely going to be a lot of good content for people to listen to. That's incredible. Well, you are incredible. Thank you for uh, being there with me and um, can't wait to plan uh, the release of the of the content with you. Heck yeah, I can't wait for the next one too. Absolutely. So I, before we um, get started with our guests, um, we're excited that they're here. I do want to go over some of the things that are happening in our in our nation through pharmacy. And, and there's a very special conference coming up that we're going to be heading um, heading to Vegas and covering as press and media, the Access 2023, uh, uh, Access to Pharmacy, the Assembia Summit. Um, this is one of the most powerful pharmacy conferences I've ever been to. It, I've been here probably seven or eight different times. And this organization brings together the leaders in specialty pharmacy, the payers, the pharmacists, the business people, the management teams, uh, public relation organizations, comms, all descend in Vegas every year for the uh, for the Access 2023. So we're going to be there. So if you are interested in specialty pharmacy or building your specialty pharmacy business, and there's an opportunity to talk with you at this um, conference, please uh, get in touch with me. Before we get uh, to my favorite part of today, which is really talking with two incredible people about pharmacists and the role of artificial intelligence and how information will continue to advance healthcare. I do want to talk about what, what came out uh, just yesterday, uh, March 30th, from the Washington Post. Pharmacists are burning out. Patients are feeling the effects. This is a serious issue, and, and I want to bring it up because pharmacists are burning out, and there is, um, there's reasons for that. I, I think there's an economy, um, an ecosystem that is in play right now that's putting way too much pressure on pharmacists that just came out of a pandemic that you know, we could say as providers, they saved the nation. They they not only uh, tested, but they um, they uh, administered uh, more vaccines in a short period of time than than in our history of of the country in in the state that it was, and and also the the barriers that we've had. We've never uh, shut down an economy like that at the level that we had to to get through it. So. I want you to read this. If you're listening right now, this is the Washington Post. It's titled, Pharmacists are Burning Out, Patients are Feeling the Effects. And um, I also wanted to give a shout out to pharmacists who are immunizing. Uh, there's a whole team of pharmacists out of Pittsburgh, uh, University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and Duquesne University. Uh, those are the closest pharmacists here to the studio down here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh area. Um, FDA was approved and the article at Medscape uh, approves the over-the-counter naloxone, but is it going to be a cost barrier? And we really wanted to talk about this. We're actually going to have a, a naloxone um, pharmacist expert opioid uh, use disorder treatment um, pharmacist kind of dig into this. So um, stay tuned uh, for a future episode of This Week in Pharmacy. And one more article that I really wanted to bring up was um, going back to burnout. Why are pharmacists burnout? Well, it's the payment system, really, if you dig into the economy and you dig into the pressures that payment systems put on um, big national chains and, and different facets of pharmacy. And then that, of course, trickles down to the work that we expect the pharmacists to do um, and do it properly. Uh, medication reviews are not uh, three minutes. Um, medication review is a 
20, 40, sometimes a one hour session with people that are in desperate need of a pharmacist to, to um, disseminate and decide and ask lots of questions to keep people healthy. And um, this article, prescription drug middlemen face mounting pressure from federal uh, governments and states. This just came out today, um, March 31st um, on MarketWatch. And we know that PBMs have got to take a look at their business models and understand that it just can't move forward with 330 million Americans needing um, pharmacy services. Uh, we don't have uh, the bandwidth the way that it's set up right now. Um, and uh, we'll continue to talk about it through PBM Reform. We have a podcast called PBM Reform Podcast, and we're excited that we're going to have some additional hosts. Just had Alan Rosenblum on our last episode. He was talking about the effects of PBMs and some of the um, the trickle-down effects on our seniors. If you haven't listened to that, um, definitely take a listen at PBM Reform uh, Podcast, and you can find that in all of our podcasting directories Hey, Pharmacy Podcast is honored to uh, be teaming up with Drug Topics for the April 8th virtual summit. It's called the Total um, Pharmacy Solutions Summit, and I will be the MC of this event. I am excited to be talking with Dr. Angst and, um, and uh, Dr. Uh, Trin and Chuck Snyder and our prescriptive health team as well, uh, led by uh, Billy Chow and Paige Clark. These people are dynamic. They're moving pharmacies forward with technology. And um, that's an excellent segue into our um, episode today because I have two amazing guests that we're going to be bringing in right now because we are going to be talking about the impact of technology and pharmacists and what pharmacy has, what opportunities that are at our fingertips with the amazing concept of artificial intelligence and um, it was brought to my attention through a presentation that Gil Bash and Tom Lowry did together called The Power of Information to Improve Healthcare. Um, I was a big fan of their presentation that uh, came out about a month ago, and it's available uh, through YouTube, and we'll be actually linking to that. But I want to welcome to the show um, Tom Lowry. Um, thank you so much for being on This Week in Pharmacy. It is my pleasure. Anytime I get a chance to show up and hang out with Gil Bash, I, I'm in. Tom, you're always so gracious, but uh, I'll tell you, I walk away from every conversation a lot smarter. And I think Pharmacy Podcast Network reaches out to about 100,000 pharmacists. That's that's like 30% of the active pharmacy community. So uh, we're going to be in, in conversation with Todd with the opportunity to really share wisdom because Todd just was talking about burnout of pharmacists. I think um, you really are at the forefront of of helping them get to doing what they really want to do, which is caring for patients instead of worrying about stuff. So, Todd, thank you so much for having us on the program. You're so um, welcome. And um, just to introduce you, you are Gil Bash. You are the I am. Uh, chair of Global Health and Purpose at uh, Finn Partners and editor-in-chief of Medica Life, uh, which I'm a very proud uh, mini contributor to that and um, that magazine and e-zines come a long way but um, I am just thrilled to have both of you here and um, I want to open this up as a three-way discussion today to really dig into the possibilities I want to I want to challenge Tom to give us a uh, an outline of what is and then I also want to shift gears and challenge Gil to tell us a little bit about what he believes could come 
um, based on the, the the coming of together of multiple, let's say, uh, plate tectonics of technology and how healthcare can be uh, improved with such healthcare. And so I I want to start with Tom first, so because there's there's people that aren't viewing us live as we're on twer Twerks right now. We're on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, streaming live. And thank you so much if you're watching us live. But Tom, for the podcast listener that listens to this afterwards, could you give them a, an understanding of, of your role and your roles um, have been extremely interesting. So I want to I want you to share that with our with our audience. Oh, well, thank you. And, and thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. It's an awesome opportunity. So. Uh, I have had the opportunity to do many things. I'm currently uh, managing director for uh, Second Century Technology, which is an advisory firm. Uh, I also have uh, a book, Hacking Healthcare, which is my latest, came out in July, um, Amazon bestseller. And anyway, uh, prior to that, I, I, I see myself as a recovering Microsoft executive, where uh, I spent 14 years at Microsoft in various roles for data and AI. So the last one was uh, National Director of Artificial Intelligence for Health and Life Sciences. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, Director of Worldwide Health, which meant most of my work for six years was with top healthcare organizations outside the United States. So. I've always been in and around data and analytics applied to healthcare, and obviously uh, we've come a long way just in the last few years. Probably we'll talk about it, but even in the last few months, there have been a number of incredible breakthroughs that we all need to be thinking about relative to how it impacts healthcare and how it impacts any knowledge worker working in healthcare. Well, thank you for that. Um, I have so many questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it one at a time, or we'll be here until nine o'clock tonight. So it's gotta we gotta we gotta keep this to a forty minute conversation. But I always want more. Um, Gil, give our listeners if, if people don't know who Gil Bash is, just give us kind of a um, a quick uh, overview about yourself. Well, Gil Bash is still trying to figure out who was Gil Bash, <laughs> um, and I think that's a real plus that I I, I live in the question. But my journey, Tom, has really centered around ideas and applying those ideas to improve human health. Um, actually, at the very core of it, I started as a military combat medic in the paratroopers. And that gave me some perspective about healing and conversation. And I, I noticed at that very early juncture of my life, when people were seriously injured, whether they be military or civilian, they they had questions and they wanted answers from me. They weren't as consumed about what I was doing as opposed to what was happening to them. And I recognized at that moment that communications is part of the care, it's part of the cure. And that kept me grounded through my journey. You know, I've, I've been part of um, communications organizations. I've been privileged to be um, CEO of the world's largest health communications organization, one of the first integrated marketing organizations back actually in the 90s, it's hard to say. I, I've spent time um, on the policy end as a lobbyist for the health industry. I had a, the privilege of being part of a CMS center for Medicare and Medicaid beneficiary services working group around communications to the pharmacy community, interestingly enough. Um, and then I've really committed myself both to open communications and information. But in that I had stints dealing with finance. Interestingly enough, I was with 
one of the larger private equity groups in the United States for some time doing transaction analyses. So from all of this, from the sense of provider and communicator, um, you know, financing business and so forth, I've always been interested in how our system can work optimally. And what I found is information is the essential nugget that draws us together. When physicians or pharmacists leave school, they're filled with inspiration and information. What happens to the inspiration or information? You just said previously before we came on, well, they burn out. Obviously, the inspiration from the beginning of the journey isn't sufficient enough to keep them going. And so I'm very, very uh, aware of that. And so when I had the opportunity to meet Tom through Microsoft, actually, I was just at Vive visiting the Microsoft booth. And Tom is still a favorite <laughs> among his Microsoft colleagues. He claims he's a recovering Microsoft, you know, sort of like you know, former leader. They still see him as part of the community, even though he's on his new adventure. So that's the beauty of having knowledge and reputation and having information to share. I'm just thrilled to be with you, but I'd have to say what drives me is probably what drives Tom. We're seeking to make the system better for the people who are committed to that system, pharmacists and patients, and recognizing that when information is readily and easily accessible, it's meaningful and applicable. That's the problem. I'd have to say, by the way, if you could buy two books, two books, I highly recommend you buy Hacking Healthcare, which is Tom's book. If if you if you have enough money left over and you can find it, you can get Branding Health Services by Gil Bash. But, but, um, but it's out of print now. Maybe I'll do another one. Tom is, is much more prolific than I am when it comes to book writing. I'm on the, on the, I'm on the digital side today. Tom, Tom is cranking out books. This is, by the way, a plug for Tom. He doesn't need it. This is Tom's second great book, not the first one. So you, this, this book is the Bible, I would say. If you're interested in AI, get the book. Hacking you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to blush. I'm going to have to go off camera, but thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> well, you said I get 10% of every sale. So. Okay, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach for my checkbook right now. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm well, going to paint you a scenario. <clears throat> it's a literal scenario, Tom. And Gil, I want you to participate in this exercise. Um, let's take specialty pharmacy. I've been in many. And one of the ones that I first attended was in the Midwest, and now they've been um, uh, become they've become part of High V. It was called Amber Pharmacy. Mike Agostino, I'll never forget him. He he built that company from the ground up. Ground up. It was a family based uh, business. Uh, he's not part of that organization because they sold off and many things happened. But when I went there, we were selling a pharmacy management system, which literally helped to run the entire organization. Their inventory their workflow, best practices. And I remember this was 2000, maybe 14 or 15, they started to build Excel-based um, reactions to medications, right? Mm -hmm. So they would say the patient was on a, a cancer medication, it was day seven, and the pharmacy technician who was calling to check on the patient and, and getting ready to transfer them to the pharmacist who had a, additional questions, started asking the ABC question or, or, or a scale question. On a scale from one to 10 patient, you know, X, 
are you um, nauseated on a scale from one to 10? How nauseated are you? They take down the data. They take down the data. And this happened with thousands of patients. And then sometimes they would escalate um, to a pharmacist who then would um, uh, ask additional questions as well as uh, talk about other, maybe other disease states or conditions or comorbidity. Maybe they were on multiple medications. So the specialty pharmacist was key to keeping the patient on target and on, on therapy, but they were also defining the pathway without artificial intelligence. So when I think of all of those data points, collection, 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 and we have all this data, if I had a pharmacogenomics test that tested the ability of a specific patient's um, uh, by their genes, how fast they're going to absorb medication, how well they're going to respond to it. And I coupled all of that collection data that I just described with that specialty pharmacy patient. Imagine what artificial intelligence could tell our pharmacists to give them a leeway to say 87% of the patients that were on this drug on day nine felt like they were nauseated at a level seven. And it's all in front of them. And now the patient... <clears throat> Here's the voice of a trusted pharmacist that they know. And it says, hey, Mary, you're, um, you're probably feeling kind of nauseated today. Yes, I am. Um, probably like a scale from one to 10. You know, what is your scale? It comes in around a seven. Great. Okay, listen, we, you, should, you can eat this, 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 and this to make yourself feel better today. Maybe some ginger, maybe whatever. This excites me because this is where AI becomes realistic instead of science fiction. And Tom, I want you to take that scenario and everything that you know from a science perspective and kind of give our audience kind of a, what's the realism of, of AI right now? Well, there, there were how many questions and what you just teed up, but um, okay. So uh, first of all, starting out, um, you know, when you look at the um, emerging and, and actually the, the pervasive nature of where we're going with AI, uh, it is a it is a true force. Now, having said that, um, you know it, there's been a lot of hype through the last five years, particularly in health and medicine. It has been the shiny object. There are many things that uh, you know have been said and promised that, that frankly, um, you know, they're not fact based or based in science. But when you look at the use cases. Um, and then you look at things like you mentioned, you know, the challenge of fighting a global pandemic and you look at the front line of what pharmacists did. And I, I truly believe, uh, you know, uh, one of the good things about um, the pandemic was it, it brought forward and, and shined a light on the role of organizations like retail health and the, the frontline role of pharmacists, which before was, you know, probably not as visible. But when it comes to AI, um, you know, I, I, I did a piece for uh, Forbes a while back where they said, tell us what healthcare learned by fighting a global pandemic. And the three themes of the article were one, an industry that uh, is known for moving at uh, uh, glacial speed can move at warp speed when it needs to. Two, many clinical leaders, not all, many clinical leaders demonstrated their willingness to uh, challenge the status quo and go through agile transformation. Third, and I think to uh, your point of your question, uh, when you look closely, humans fought and won the battle when it comes to the global pandemic. The number one tool they used to go faster and be better was AI. And, and I, I go through the article and outline 
a number of examples from uh, expediting vaccine development to uh, many other things. So I bring that together. I look at your question uh, and I'll, I'll come back to the story you told leading up to the question where when you map the process historically that pharmacists who are these talented knowledge workers with specialized knowledge have, and you look at the past where things would mainly be done by humans alone with their brain power making decisions. We have the ability now to take some of those things and kind of outsource it to artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is really good at things like sorting through massive amounts of data, spotting patterns, and all the things you talked about earlier are, are things that AI can do bring together those patterns. So rather than a, a human having to go through that decision tree in their mind, uh, imagine actually having certain parameters where those things are getting teed up automatically based on risk profiles uh, that then allow the pharmacist to engage in all those things that are unique to pharmacists as humans, which is their knowledge, their experience, their wisdom, their problem-solving capabilities. It's when you bring the best of AI together with the humans by bringing that in behind what they do. And then finally, for my long soliloquy, you, you know, you were talking earlier about the workforce crisis and burnout. Well, mm -hmm. it would be interesting to have a conversation around all those highly repetitive but low value activities pharmacists have to do every day, which is ripe for AI to be automating. Uh, so so I, I tell a story where uh, on the physician side, Stanford has data that shows physicians spend more time in the EMR than they do with patients today. Mm -hmm. My guess is there's a story and some stats that relate to pharmacists when it comes to all of the repetitive low-level activities they do that keep them from practicing at the highest level, which is why they probably went to school to become a pharmacist in the first place. So it's understanding the value that AI brings and getting behind the humans as in control and, and taking the best of what AI does and matching with the best of what humans do. Thank you for that. That, that uh, brings us full circle and it's a, such a complex uh, question. I always uh, just throw all the kitchen sink information at, at our guests to, to see what they'd say. And and uh, you're eloquent and made sense. And I can actually, uh, if I understand, uh, that's good because um, I'm not even a pharmacist. So so it's it's uh, you're it's, you're it's, definitely the voice of the community though Todd you know i i want to pick up where 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 tom left off um people people particularly now ai chat gpt are are anxious about um technologies and the problem isn't necessarily with the technologies the 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 challenges with um our mindset our fear factor, the the fear of COVID. To Tom's point, the fear of COVID and what it might do to our world, crash through the the fear wall, right? We we had already confronted our worst fear. <clears throat> we were on lockdown. We were separated from each other. Physicians could no longer really see their patients up close unless it was an absolute absolute emergency. But what was open for business during that whole time? Regardless, pharmacies, it's fascinating. Doctors were shut down. Only emergency operating procedures were conducted. And pharmacies were open to buy Band-Aids 
and flu medication and analgesics and questions at the pharmacy counter. So what we see is the human factor and the information factor finding a natural convergence at the pharmacy level. Now, to that end, to our listeners today, pharmacy has played a incredible role of getting us through COVID. And I don't think our society really fundamentally understands how important pharmacy has been to our getting to where we are today. Pharmacists were on drug development crews. They worked diligently on vaccine clinical trials. They sat in government. They're in FDA. They're in CMS. They're dealing with on the front lines of senior care, worrying about their medications, worrying about their well-being. Pharmacists touch almost every single aspect of our fragmented health ecosystem. The challenge we face as a society, and I don't think people appreciate sufficiently, is that often our our technical training, our professional training for physicians and for pharmacists are built predominantly on a 1990s, 2000 model. And so if you say to a doctor, how much training did you receive on EMRs, on AI, on digital health, on basic technological digital health tools, they would say they talked about it. And if I were to ask and press did you have a course, one course in four years of medical school specific to digital technology? They would say no. Same with pharmacy. Right. Same with pharmacy. But there's a big difference. There's a big difference for those people who graduated, and they're the bulk of our health professionals today, who graduated pre the turn of the century, so to speak, they relied on pure knowledge. They were the aggregated intelligence being. Their IQ, which got them into medical school or pharmacy school in the first place, enabled them to remember huge swaths of information. Fast forward some years later, not possible, just not possible. How can you possibly imagine, hold on to all the drug-to-drug -drug interactions that a patient may face? Do you remember that a patient who is taking a statin shouldn't take a grapefruit? I mean, how much stuff do you have to remember to be a pharmacist today? It's inconceivable to me to think about that. So AI, or as I lovingly call it, and I know Tom embraces my definition as well, you know, aggregated intelligence, augmented intelligence, that a pharmacist really is trained to know everything they must know. And they also therefore know everything that they don't remember or don't know. That's where AI comes in. So it's not just looking and trying to predict the future of health. In other words, the, on the seventh day with that medication, you may feel queasy, you know, you know have, have, have a Coca-Cola or something like that, or some ginger to settle your stomach. It's, it's also just remembering the basics of, I've got a patient who's taking metformin, they're taking a statin, they're taking this, they're depressed, and I want to add this medication to it. Is there anything I need to know before I hand them the, here you go, here's a high-tech, this is a high-tech high actually vial of, of medication. I'm, I'm sure it actually is a combination, you know, so that you know, kids can't break into it. Pharmacists are always inventing as well, good gadgets. But before I hand this out to the person, my patient across the counter, I need to know 
is it right for me to hand that out? Pharmacists are actually the backbone of the medical system. So for them, in my opinion, I think Tom's going to agree to this, AI is actually the pharmacist's friends. And I agree with Tom 100%. Pharmacists don't really want to spend their days behind the counter counting out tablets or pills. They want to spend it at the counter, in front of the counter, actually giving counsel to patients. And that's what they did so well during COVID. Well, let me put a finer point on what you just said, Gil. So um, if you were a newly minted pharmacist or physician in the early 1960s, you'd pretty much go your entire career, about 50 years before medical knowledge would double. Today, depending on whose survey you're looking at, medical knowledge is doubling every 75 days. So, so to Gil's point, as a human, you're coming out of the best school, the best pharma residency in the country, and you got a great job knowing 75 days from now, there'll be twice as much knowledge, medically speaking. And that doesn't include all the other data that's growing at an even faster rate or things like increasingly our use of social determinants uh, data to bring all that together. So, um, you know, the way I often explain uh, AI is, uh, you know, to, to Gil's point, as humans, you know, it's our brain that took us to the top of the food chain. We are so smart or the brain is so uh, great that we've actually found ways of outsourcing things that previously only the brain could do, which is what we call AI. So our ability to take things like knowledge extraction through AI, pattern recognition, all these things, bring them together to take that data that's doubling every 75 days and turn it into a great asset rather than if you use the old fashioned ways of sorting through data, how do you ever possibly keep up, let alone leverage the value of the insights, the knowledge that's found within this data that's growing at an exponential rate. So that's where you don't have to understand how AI works. What you have to do is understand what it can do. And then as the smartest person, as a frontline pharmacist, as a researcher, you're the ones, if you know the capabilities of how to bring that in behind what you're doing to make you better at something you care about. That's the value proposition of AI today. So that in and of itself, um kind of demystifies what AI is doing. And that's, that's my, really my initial question, Tom, and, and appreciate the, the kind of opening up of where this is going to go. Um, I think of my listener, my pharmacy technicians, my pharmacists, my pharmacy owners, there's AI behind the scenes of much of what's happening in their world today that they may not even be aware of. Um, I want to move to accessing more data in an automated fashion that is literally, you said 75 days, there could be updates made to a patient's record within an hour, within minutes, literally by the physician pharmacist team, where it's expressing that through technology like the Alexa or the device that can, can tell them on their watch or their smartwatch or some device that this is taking place, your blood pressure just hit this, your metabolization of that medication you took at 9 a.m., it's not going that well, um, you know, or it is going really well, and, and, and that feedback. So I get excited when I see, I got to 10 Vive last year, I missed it this year because we were at the APHA, but um, 
there was demonstrations um, by companies and presentations that would show where AI is going to take us. I'm so interested in the pharmacist leveraging it. Do you have ideas or stories that you can share that that are applicable to um, medication management, medication safety, or development? Well, again, I'm going to be cautious here because I'm not a pharmacist. So when you get me talking about things in front of pharmacists, um, but you know, generally, uh, I'll start on a high level. You look at things like the application of AI for uh, expediting things like vaccine development during the pandemic, uh, drug discovery, where again, the ability of AI to be much better at looking through massive amounts of data to spot trends that then lead the human researchers towards you know, some findings that will expedite that whole process of either getting something out into production or killing it early to move on with other drugs. You look at things like clinical decision support, whether that's some of the drug interactions that Gil was talking about earlier. You look at uh, how, you know, it's uh, looking at the drugs in combination with many other factors when it comes to whether it's an adverse reaction or just looking at what is the optimal combination of pharmaceuticals and other things that have the best ability to move that patient uh, towards whatever uh, medical or health goal you see? Um, going beyond that, um, you know, I, I, uh, I've had the opportunity to do some work with, um, you know, some large pharma companies, and I think many of them are waking up to um, the fact that. And going forward, and you kind of reference it with, uh, again, your example leading up to the question where, you know, we have to start looking beyond just monetizing molecules when it comes to drug development to look at what's the full realm of what we can do. And, and so I, I spent a lot of time talking about what I call Care Anywhere. Uh, Gil and I just a couple of weeks ago were at the uh, annual conference of the American Telemedicine Association. So you, you start looking at remote monitoring, all of the wearables, and then to your point, imagine bringing all this together because every one of those things generates data. Um, so, so imagine bringing together many things where what the pharmacist is managing includes not just the traditional role, but a lot of other data that's coming together, putting it at their fingertips to be looking at almost on a real-time ongoing basis those patients who, you know, probably not every patient, but those who are highly specialized have some type of chronic disease where that ongoing monitoring and management and the ability to have AI firing off alerts, not only for the consumer, but back to the pharmacist, the primary care doctor. That's the technology's there. It's very real. But imagine all that data coming together and it's not the pharmacist or the doctor having to sort through it. It's really AI sorting through those things. So then if you've got a thousand patients on that system, it's triaging. And at any given time, it's surfacing to that pharmacist, to that clinician. You know, here are the people that are approaching some thresholds where you should be involved to look at it, to use your wisdom, to use your judgment, to say, do we need to do something different? Do we need to have an interaction? Again, the technology is there, the data is there, the intelligent cloud makes that possible. We're just not there when it comes to people in healthcare moving that far along now, for I, a number I, of reasons. I want to pick up where, where you, you ended, Tom, because I, I, I don't think the challenge is really about our ability to aggregate information. I think that the challenge is the human <clears throat> being, um, readiness 
to integrate that information into practice. And, you know, speaking specifically about Tom's work in AI, what I'm doing in terms of the communications around the health system, the fragmented health ecosystem, probably more care has to shift over to the pharmacy. And we're seeing that and the pharmacy is going to be the basis of diagnostic medicine. It's become um, a, 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 a base camp for some elements of primary care. You see major retail chains embedding into pharmacies, uh, nurse practitioners, physicians assistants, and so forth, connected to a network of yep. information and other clinicians in order to help patients. You're going to see pharmacies as the basis of enrollment for uh, drug development, clinical trials. Ph pharmacy is actually going to become now base camp for our essential health needs, more than get shampoo, Band-Aids, and go to the back of the store to get your prescription. It's really going to be almost like the wiki of health. And so pharmacy schools really need to be at the top of their game, training the next generation of pharmacists to really understand how to maximize what Tom and his colleagues are doing to, to really build systems around aggregated intelligence. Often, often I, I, I meet with health professionals and the, the, the challenge isn't the quality of the information we're collecting in these systems. It's actually their ability to find time to use the system. And so we have to sit back from the operational level and say, we have the ability to diagnose earlier. We have the ability to avoid drug-to-drug -drug interactions. We have the ability to hone our insight around precision medicine. With all the information we're collecting and aggregating, we can do that today. I don't think Tom will disagree with that. Challenge, the challenge isn't the information. The challenge is actually giving health professionals, pharmacists and clinicians, the sufficient <clears throat> bandwidth to get rid of certain tasks so that they can actually study the data and apply it in the clinic or in the pharmacy. And I think that you know, Tom and his work within the health system is trying to do just that. Myself, in terms of working with, with people within the fragmented health ecosystem, in terms of the communications, I'm trying to do that as well. I think pharmacists have a bigger role to play here than they could possibly imagine because they're kind of the Switzerland of the US health system. They sort of seamlessly and non, in a non-threatening way connect all of those fragmented points. And pharmacists actually love data. To be a pharmacist, to go to pharmacy school, you've got to not just love the science, you've got to love where the science is being applied it's being applied to people. And pharmacists never lose their passion to want to help people live healthier, better lives. And to Gail's point, we got a small taste of that during the pandemic where, um, you know, all of a sudden the traditional ways in which things worked were suspended. And, and you know, we really got to that agile change and, and pharmacists went to the head of the line. Um, I think uh, many of the national retail uh, pharmacy companies get that. I think they're well positioned. I think they, you know, some of them uh, made stellar moves to not only, you know, help, um, you know, citizens with all of their needs. I think it showcased the ability of retail health to play a much bigger role. And to me, the, the pharmacist is at the center of that. Now, I think the challenge, and Gil, you raised it, is, 
um, you know, when I, I think of the experience I have when I go um, either to um, the, the pharmacist as part of my um, group uh, practice or when I go to a retail pharmacy that's just, um, you know, in a commercial uh, you know, office or, or building, and I look at the workflow behind the counter, um, it, it, something has to change because I, I see um, a lot of things that feel like they're the traditional old school way of doing things. And somehow we have to eliminate or mitigate all those repetitive activities we're asking pharmacists and other knowledge workers to do because you know, at least the data that, that I see when it comes to physician and nurse burnout, uh, you know, one of the key factors of, of burnout is the high level of these repetitive, low value activities where, you know, we, we've turned a lot of physicians into uh, data entry clerks. And maybe that's the same with pharmacy, but somehow we have to look at the process. And again, AI only drives value when it materially changes a process to make things better. So, what do we start doing to uh, have that conversation, to be mapping the processes you're using today and say, which one of these things can we automate to free you up as that very talented, experienced knowledge worker to be one playing a much higher value? And, and my guess is if you're doing that, you have less likelihood of going home at night thinking, um, you know, that you're not doing what you were trained to do. But therein, lie, I think, lies the challenge. I, I think we need to pull pharmacists forward. But in order to do that, we have to rethink, um, you know, the, the ways in which we work today, which, which is the, the conversation around the value of AI. I think the data that's extracted, as you were saying, both of you, um, is important in what kind of data that can be reacted to by specialists. I think of our diabetes specialists. There are pharmacists out there who are masterful in helping people to manage their diabetes. And then you start to put in technology, um, insulin management systems, um, or continuous glucose monitoring, and then the world of blood testing and the data that's extracted from that. Um, all of this is coming to a point where the data is shared between the physician who kicked off the treatment and the pharmacist who's reacting to the data 90 days, you know, one year after the initial treatment was implemented. And now the AI is telling the pharmacist that based on data, the treatment needs to be adjusted to hone in on and making the patient live as freely and as possible from, you know, such chronic diseases or something. And no, that excites me. You're, you're, you're really hitting a hot button right now because this country has a diabetes epidemic. And I'm not just talking about the pre-diabetic, I'm talking about the person who graduated from pre-diabetes to type two diabetes. Um, and it is probably one of the most expensive health conditions that our nation is dealing with. It's an epidemic proportions. And now what Tom and you were just talking about before in terms of information and training, well, these days, the diabetes blood glucose monitor and the diabetes insulin pump for people who are really insulin dependent can, can speak to each other. Mm -hmm. And they can actually also speak to the physician or the pharmacist. This is a case people get worried about AI. Um, put, put their worry aside. AI is the, is the ally here. AI is the Switzerland of patient care. 
one, pharmacists really are at the forefront of this health challenge of diabetes. Behind the counter in most pharmacies, you're going to see blood glucose meters. You're going to see, you know, obviously different types of of um, of insulin products. You now all different types of of pens I've got here, you know, to to look at, you know, from different companies. And pharmacists are really in the know. Um, you know, diabetes nurse educators most certainly, but when it comes to the technology involved in this, it shouldn't be left just to the companies that are manufacturing the technology. Mm -hmm. Pharmacists really could play a major role here if they have access to both the training and the information. Boy, I think we could get our arms around this epidemic. And again, it goes back to AI. Pharmacists are really passionate about <clears throat> care, passionate. They really see these people not just as patients, but people who are their customers. Pharmacists will drive to your house after the store closes to deliver a medication if you can't get there. Doctors don't do that any longer. Ever hear of a doctor making a house call any longer? Not really, but pharmacists all the time. So, you know, I think that if we can find a way to overcome our cultural challenge, our fears around information, and really embrace the pharmacist as this bridge between the, the, the person who has the health concern, the person who makes the prescribing de decision, the physician, pharmacists are in are that bridge. If we can make that bridge sturdy with information, I think we're going to see progress in America. Let me take that one step farther if we have a second. So um, one of the things that I've seen in my experience when it comes to um, AI actually driving change and driving change at scale, uh, it has a little to do with technology and data. Frankly, it has a lot to do with what I call the leadership imperative. And, and in that, the number one thing, as simple as it sounds, is um, people who are used to driving, running things a certain way in healthcare have to learn to think differently. And, and that's everyone from the pharmacist to the, the food chain going up to you know, the board level. And, and just to put a finer point on this, so we're having this great conversation about diabetes, huge issue here in America. Uh, I'm working with uh, a group out of Singapore where Singapore government has literally, they call it declaring war on diabetes. Singapore has one of the largest problems with diabetes in all of Asia. They're doing something interesting. Uh, they're actually making use of AI. They've got 5 million citizens. Uh, they're making use of what's known as uh, deep neural networks, uh, the cloud, and the application of advanced nudge theory to say, how do we identify citizen, the population of pre-diabetic, and how do we, through AI, through real-time monitoring, and very personalized nudges driven by AI to each citizen, how do we slow the progression from pre-diabetic to diabetic? So it's a combination of everything the pharmacist would be doing, but we're going to that next level to say, well, you know, what are the things that I would call digital therapeutics that are data and AI driven? Can, can we add to the role of the pharmacist? And the early data shows they are actually slowing the progression of pre-diabetic to diabetic. I know the Singapore government from the, the data I've seen, once someone crosses over to being fully diabetic, it costs the government, who's the payer and the provider, about $7,000 a year per citizen for as long as they're alive. 
So, so imagine bringing all this together in this integrated care anywhere fashion with the pharmacist at the center of helping to manage all of that. We're improving, you know, the health of a large population, $7,000 per citizen. Well, you know, if we can slow the progression by even a few years. There's a great economic advantage. And then it gets back to, it's a model that also involves the citizen being part of this whole thing as far as the nudges and taking steps that get reawarded. So this is, to me, is a good example of we need to start thinking differently. We have the tools, we have the power to do it. It's all those experienced clinicians, including pharmacists, that are going to be the best and smartest at saying, oh, I understand what AI can do. I'm thinking differently. Here are all the different ways in which we should start pivoting based on the challenges and based on the opportunity. I appreciate that. And that's um, that in and of itself makes it um, pliable. I can actually, it's tangible. I can, I can put my hands around and understand that it's not, a not a mystery. It's, it's not future anymore. It's literally happening right now. And I think the more pharmacists and physicians that start leveraging AI to accelerate treatments and outcomes and decisions and based on data and what's already been collected um, from all of these electronic health records over the years. And then therefore the physician can spend more time with the patients and less time pressing than clicking the buttons uh, in the uh, big EHR systems and, and really sit with the the patient and, and, and be the, the physician that the patients want. <laughs> they want more hands-on and less clicky uh, of the buttons. And, and I think that's medicine. Allow the AI to do some of the decision tree, um, you know, basis of, of the next prescriptions that set out electronic prescribing and um, integrated into systems that I saw at APHA when I was there. Some of the AI, AI application, Tom, in pharmacy is phenomenal. There's a company called Prescriptive Health that is leveraging AI in a pharmacy consulting program on purpose to uh, start making decisions based on data to uh, give the final um, understanding to the physician pharmacist teams. And um, and I got to see it kind of in action and in, in the cool. demo that was there. So, uh, Well, was, that's where, I mean, to, to me, I often see people who are the best experts uh, kind of fearful. It's like, well, I don't know anything about AI. Well, I'm not a data scientist. And, you know, just what you said, I mean, there are great data scientists. There, there are great companies looking at how to do things. The smartest people ever that's going to figure out how to use AI to solve problems are not the data scientists. They're not the chief technology officers. They're the people with the expertise and the training on the front lines when you're driving home at night, you're thinking, if only there was a better way to do this. You are the people that will have the best ideas that can be applied when it comes to taking the data and the AI tools and having someone build something and deploy something that's going to drive change and transformation. So just I often see people that are, you know, they're highly trained as, as clinicians, as pharmacists, but somehow they do that. Uh, I, I don't get AI, and therefore it's like, no, you're exactly the people who know the biggest problems and the ideas for how you're going to solve them. Yeah, Tom, I'm thinking of three words imagination, innovation, information. We are a species that is highly imaginative. 
We, we see problems, we imagine solutions. We invent, we innovate, but how do we know it's working? How do we know it's meaningful? Information. We, we've got to leave ourselves open to the possibility that information will never replace humanity. It will make us stronger, smarter, faster, as you mentioned during COVID, to really apply solutions that sustain and save life. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, and I want to just thank you for being here on This Week in Pharmacy. And and Tom, I'm thrilled to, to have you on our show. I think it's wonderful to give um, our pharmacists an opportunity to hear from you. And um, we, for people that can't see the screen right now, um, hold that up. Hacking Healthcare by Tom Lowry. Um, this is um, a book that a pharmacist, if you want to dig deeper into the impact of AI in healthcare and um, be part of it, um, you have to be part of it. You're you're the most trusted healthcare provider in in um, in healthcare based on many um, surveys that have been taken, and um, pharmacists have to get involved. But Tom, um, this has been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you here. Well, thank you. And I would just, uh, you know, final comment based on what you just said. Um, for everyone listening, uh, go away thinking that AI is not about technology, it's about empowerment. You have many challenges. We have the ability to bring this in behind people like you, um, you know, to make healthcare better. It's a very noble cause, it really needs help. And I believe that uh, in the right hands, uh, again, it's all, all about empowerment and change. It's not about technology. Thank you. Gail, it's always good having you back. You're starting to become a, a cyclical, cyclical regular. Um, I'm well, I'm glad that Tom's presence made that possible. And just, just a great thinker. And Tom, will you be at HIMSS? I will be. I'll look forward yeah. to seeing you in Chicago. We'll see each other there and, uh, and uh, look forward, everyone, to our selfie. If there, there are go. pharmacists going to HIMSS, um, if they can say hi to Gil Bash, if you're there, you should all meet at some place and have like a, a pharmacist gathering. Especially if Tom is next to me. That would be a real treat. <laughs> Meeting Gil Bash, eh, we can do that anytime. But Tom Lowry, that's special. Well, you're very kind. And uh, yeah, I always love getting together with people on the front lines who are uh, – either working on transformation or are already in the thick of uh, looking at how we're going to change and make things better. Thank you both. This Week in Pharmacy, Tom Lowry, Gil Bash. Um, this has been wonderful. You guys have a great weekend. All right. Well, This Week in Pharmacy is growing. We've heard some really good feedback from the pharmacist listeners. We want to know what you want to talk about This Week in Pharmacy. This is about what's happening in the trenches. And sometimes we jump into subjects that are impacting from a national level, but I wanna hear stories from each of you that are listening to things that need to be um, to given attention. So if you have any ideas, if you have programming that you'd like to, um, to uh, throw ideas at us, um, I just wanna give a shout out to um, Omnipod for supporting us. Um, they have been an awesome partner um, they, they have been a sponsor for the PPN for some time, um, a great organization to work with. We got to see them at the APHA. A shout out to Dean and his team at Omnipod Insulin uh, by Omnipod um, or 
Omnipod by Insulin. <laughs> um, we are excited about next week. We're going to be talking with a local politician here in Fayette County, uh, Scott Dunn, about the opioid impact and fentanyl impact on our county. And we're going to kind of dig into this because we have a new series coming called Opioid RX. Once again, that's called Opioid RX. Be on the watch and on the listen. And um, you are our favorite providers, pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, the right hand of pharmacists. If there's anything that we can do for you as a publication and shining more light on uh, what's happening in our nation and the impact of pharmacy care and pharmacists, please let us know. Uh, we're going to wrap up a little early today. Um, this Week in Pharmacy uh, brought to you by Omnipod. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great weekend.